Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, March 1st, 2018. I'm Sam Rosenberg, and I'm back to talk a little Sixers. Thanks a lot for the little layoff. It's been some time. I got a chance to go see the Sixers in person, went to the Orlando Magic game this past Saturday in Philadelphia. It was it was fantastic. Sixers were able to pull out the victory. Um, interesting takeaway. Had a great time with my brother Dan. Dan's the guy who's got the season tickets now. I went and uh, saw everything firsthand, met some great season ticket reps, got a chance to talk to Coach Todd Wright, who was also uh, assistant coach of the Sixers and also head of strength and conditioning. Um, really good interview, nice guy. Um, definitely talked a lot about different approaches for uh, training and, and uh, preparation regards to, uh, in regards to strength and conditioning. Um, <clears throat> is already definitely getting good at dodging questions because he got a couple of questions about Markel Fultz um, you know, I was there with a few other season ticket holders and, uh, you know, he's, he was already pretty savvy at giving us a, a non-answer answer when it came to Markel Fultz's condition. Um, either way, listen, it was a great game. And, you know, to, to, before I get too far into today's podcast, which I want to talk about the Sixers going and getting Ilya Sova, um, but, uh, this game against the Magic was, uh, kind of eye-opening, uh, because, this is something I've seen the Sixers have an issue with, which is that they tend to, at least teams that are dog shit teams but are young and have a lot of gusto, teams like Orlando, um, teams like Phoenix, these teams that are really just a bunch of young guys who are running up and down the court, making mistakes left and right, but are able to put a lot of points on the board. Sixers have a way of kind of letting those teams get out in front of them. And that's what happened against the Orlando team. Orlando came out running and gunning and was just pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. And before you know it, they were up 16-9 to and Brett Brown had to call a timeout and say, all right, we've got to get our shit together. Uh, this was midway through the first quarter and all, after, all it took was one timeout Sixers come out, they start playing some really aggressive defense, they start hitting a few shots, and before you know it, the Sixers end the first quarter with, I think, a 10-point lead. So they were able to pull a swing like that around in the first quarter, they then stretched the lead to 20 points, they held the lead for the majority of the game, and now, let's talk a little bit about some of the issues that the Sixers have, because I was looking at some of the stats, and they still have an issue turning the ball over. Their defense is good. At least it's getting better. It's certainly better than it was at the top of the season, but they have this problem with turning the ball over and letting other teams come back and really just climb out of these holes and really get the better of them in the fourth quarter. And that's what happened against Orlando. They didn't lose the game, but Orlando was able to crunch essentially a 20-point lead at the uh, end of the third quarter. They were able to crunch it all the way back down to, I think, a, I think an eight or a seven-point game. It might have even been a five-point game at the end. Uh, and of course, the Sixers had a couple of good possessions, hit a couple of shots, and the game was over. But my point is that you saw even a team like the 18-42 and 42 Orlando Magic are able to kind of creep up and crawl out of the dungeon and almost get the better of a team like the Sixers. This is uh, this is the thing that scares me. I really want to see the Sixers have this ability to close out at the end of games and it's not always there. Hell, tonight they're going to be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. This will be a real eye-opener to see what they can do against LeBron and the Cavs. Um, to kind of follow on that same dialogue, then after you see the Sixers pick up this win against uh, Orlando, 
They go on a road trip. And they're going to be on a road trip tonight. They're in Cleveland. This is a three-game road trip. They've played the Wizards. They've played the Heat. And then they're playing Cleveland tonight. They dropped both of these games. It was a back-to-back. They played They played uh, the Magic on Saturday night in Philly. Sunday night, they play the Wizards in Washington, and they drop that game. Now, I can understand second night of a back-to-back. And the Wizards, listen, without John Wall... The Wizards are playing some great ball. I thought they were going to struggle. I thought they were going to have difficulty pulling out wins because this is the same Wizards team that I've seen lose games to the Sixers. And the Sixers have been able to kind of get a handle on these guys. And as dangerous as Bradley Beal has been, the Sixers, I think, have found ways to kind of contain him enough to pull out victories against the Wizards. But I'm telling you, the Wizards on across the board are looking better. This guy, Sadoransky, who's pretty much been playing all of John Wall's minutes, has really stepped up. He's playing great, great minutes. He's been running the floor, uh, runs the point guard position, really passes the ball. I mean, he's a heck of a fit for this team. And then you think of Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter. This Wizards team is dangerous. And then, I mean, I think they'll have some difficulties trying to integrate John Wall back in right before the playoffs. But either way, they're coming up and they're being dangerous. And they took it to the Sixers and they pulled out a win. The thing that really shocked me was then seeing the Sixers lose on a last-second free, uh, last-second buzzer-beating shot by D. Wade against the Heat. Now I'm going to go see the Sixers play the Heat next week with my dad in Miami because Sixers got to go back there and play the Heat again. But this was a game in Miami where I think it was neck and neck for most of the game. You know, you got a chance to see more of Bellinelli shooting the ball, and that was the thing. You know, you're really starting to see how valuable it is for the Sixers to have shooters around Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is this miracle of nature how he can't shoot the ball but yet he is one of the best ball handlers and and you know like playmakers that the Sixers have as much as he struggles sometimes to make plays he can pass the ball so well he's like a Magic Johnson I mean he can't shoot that well but he's just able to facilitate so much that the rest of the team can thrive and you really need to have more shooters around him and so in this game where you saw Miami trying to really lock down on some of the shooters it was a pretty tight game but then at the end of the game they got to a point where they took advantage of Ben Simmons' bad shooting. They fouled Ben Simmons, I believe, when they were, um, I think it was a tie game, and they fouled Ben Simmons. He went and he made one of his two free throws. D-Wade gets the ball. Ben Simmons is the one who's guarding him. He crosses up Ben Simmons, step back jumper, hits the shot, game over, and all of a sudden, Dwayne Wade is running around the court screaming, this is my house, bitch, or this is my shit, whatever the fuck he was saying. He w- the, the place was crazy. But it did show that a, you know these are two playoff-bound teams, the Wizards and the Heat. These are two teams that are, I think are fairly well-coached. I mean, I think Spolster is a better coach than Scott Brooks. Um, but I think the talent is more on Washington, and that's probably why Washington can go a little deeper and make some more noise than Miami. Miami is definitely a team that is, you know... Um, uh, what's the word? They are they are more than the sum of their parts. You know, like when you really look at Miami, this is a team that re- doesn't really have any specific superstars. I mean, you could sort of look at Drogic or Whiteside, but I mean, it's everybody on this team. It's Olinick, it's Tyler Johnson, it's, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo, and now they have Dwayne Wade back, you know, so in a way you sort of have your sneaky superstar coming off your bench. I still think it makes the Miami team kind of dangerous, 
but they're also susceptible to flaws. I mean, listen, I, I saw this Miami team get out 20 points ahead of the Sixers like a week or two ago before the, the All-Star break, and the Sixers came all the way back and beat them. So this is a definitely a vulnerable team, but they were able to get the better of the Sixers the other night, and this is something to be monitoring as they get into the playoffs. As we get closer and closer to the playoffs, teams like the Heat and the Wizards are going to be real tests for the Sixers. And now... Leading us up to tonight, this Cavaliers game is going to be a real test for the Sixers because I think the Cavaliers are, anytime LeBron, LeBron James is on the floor, they're dangerous. Okay, it's absolutely true. He That guy gives them the ability to win any game at any time. So I think the Sixers do have a chance to win because I think they could get the better of a team like the Cavaliers. But again, this is a playoff-bound team. This is a team that I think is going to be a real test for the Sixers, and they've got to pull out wins like this because as much as they had a seven-game win streak after they beat Orlando, if they lose to the Cavs tonight, you're now looking at a three-game losing streak for the Sixers, and this is with Embiid on the floor. you got to take that into consideration as you start to look at this playoff picture shake out because I, I had mentioned last week on my podcast that this playoff picture is very unpredictable. Aside from Toronto and Boston, essentially the three through nine positions are going to just move around. They're all within a couple of games of each other. So depending on how well these teams play throughout the home stretch is really going to depend what the playoff bracket's going to look like. And I mean, you could have Cleveland and Philadelphia meeting each other as the three and the six seed in the first round. And that's what I predicted last week as well. And so again, this could be a very, very important preview for what we're going to see in the playoffs. Um, Okay. The title of this podcast is that Ilya Sova is back on the Sixers, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So, for those of you who don't know, Ersan Ilyasova, European player, has been in the, the league for quite some time. He's a stretch four, tall guy, um, is able to shoot the three ball, was on the Sixers last year. Now, last year when he was on the Sixers, he played some pretty quality minutes. Um, he was uh, started the season on the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, was traded to the Sixers in the Jeremy Grant deal, played the majority of the season for the Sixers last year, was one of their fr- one of their few bright spots considering it was still one of their terrible tanking seasons. But And then at the end of the season, the Sixers uh, traded him to the Atlanta Hawks because, of course, the Sixers were still tanking and, and just cutting salary and they got rid of him. But make no mistake, I think he was a good addition and a nice fit for this Sixer team. So let's talk about two things. He, he is bought out by the Hawks this year because the Hawks are now dog shit. They are in the toilet. They're a lottery team. They are a tank a, tankapalooza. They're definitely part of that, uh, part of that, that show. So they're looking to cut salary. Marco Bellinelli was just bought out by the Hawks. The Sixers go and pick him up. Ilya Sova's bought out by the Hawks. The Sixers now go and pick him up, and they cut Trevor Booker. Let me get to Trevor Booker in a second. Ilya Sova, I like this. Okay, this is a guy who brings more shooting and specifically more three-point shooting to this team. As we get more and more to understanding that the Sixers have this identity of having a guy like Ben Simmons, who is your primary ball handler and your primary facilitator, but yet he can't shoot, it really behooves the Sixers to get a lot more shooters around him. Guys like, I mean, hell, Embiid, Saric, Redick, these guys are all, Covington for that matter, they're all really, really important to have around Ben Simmons when you know he can't shoot the ball. Trevor Booker, as exciting as he is as a defensive player, 
and and as a and as kind of a physical guy, he's not much of a shooter. He he doesn't really shoot the three ball. Uh, you know, he can listen. He's got a jump shot, but that's not what he's out there to do. He's not trying to get the jump shot. He's more of a defensive wing player who will you know throw down a dunk if he's there. But for the most part, he's looking to rebound. He's looking to pass the ball. He's looking to steal it. Whereas Ilyasova is going to be a little bit more offensive minded, and he's going to be allow the Sixers to stretch the floor more. He's essentially another version of like a Dario Saric. He's going to be tall. He's going to be uh, able to be aggressive down low because let's be clear here. I was looking at some of the stats and Ilyasova, he plays about 80% of the time he's playing as a power forward. So you know he's going to be out there trying to defend and you know he's also going to be out there, you know, doing some of those backup minutes for Saric. He's also a guy that shoots 42, he shoots 36% for three but he takes about 42% of his shots from three-point land. So most of the time, he's taking three-point shots, and he can hit them better than Trevor Booker. So already you're getting this perimeter shooter that Trevor Booker just wasn't. And you're going to get a guy who's probably going to play you know, probably similar minutes to Trevor Booker. He might not be as much of a defensive presence, but he's going to be able to kind of fill in some more of those minutes, have a little bit more length down low, and be able to kind of, you know, alleviate guys like Embiid, alleviate guys like Saric, but still be able to kind of play that offensive role, whereas you kind of couldn't get that with Trevor Booker. You know, Trevor Booker, Amir Johnson, these guys are tenacious defenders down low who I think are really, who do help and bring something to the Sixers, but they can't shoot from the outside and they can't stretch the D and in a in a league that's going more and more towards three-point shooting if you don't believe me just look at the Houston Rockets they got the best record in the league and they take more three-point shots than anybody else so the Sixers are embracing that and I think it's going to work well for them and I think Ilyasova is a good fit and listen I'm sorry to see Trevor Booker go because let's talk about this Trevor Booker is what the Sixers got for Okafor so when you think about Okafor I believe they traded Okafor uh, Nick Stauskas and a second round pick to get Trevor Booker. So in a manner of speaking, you have to look back at the process and you got to you got to say to yourself that of all of the swings that Sam Hinkie took and all the draft picks he brought in, Okafor really didn't work out for them because he was traded and you know and we got Booker and then we cut Booker. So we really don't have anything to show for Jaleel Okafor except for the fact that we had to get rid of a second round pick just to get Okafor off of our books. I mean, in a lot of ways, you kind of need to look at that as sort of a, a swing and a miss. Um, just like you can kind of look at Nerland's Noel as a swing and a miss. You know, we traded J- Drew Holiday essentially to get Nerland's Noel. And we, I, we also got a draft pick for it as well. But Nerland's Noel, we traded for Justin Anderson and a pick. But I mean... Listen, I don't want to say Justin Anderson is a complete, you know, net loss because I think Justin Anderson does add something to the team. It's just a shame that he's dealt with some injuries this season. Um, but listen, if they cut Anderson at the end of the year, you do need to sort of look back and say, you know, what did we really get for Nerlens Noel? What did we really get for trading away Drew Holiday, who's a guy who is making, you know, a hundred million dollar contract in New Orleans and. Even though he's had some injuries, he is still proving to be a pretty reliable guy in New Orleans. Um, so. You know, now that Colangelo's here as the GM, it is a little, you got to look at what the moves he's making because he's functioning. He is not, this is not the process. He is not Sam Hinkie. He's not trying to gather assets. He's not trying to collect draft picks. This is a guy who is ready to move for a win now mode. Guys like Bellinelli, guys like Ilyasova, these are win now players. These are guys who are going to contribute ASAP. They're going to come onto the floor and 
you know, you're seeing more of an identity for this Sixers team. And that's great because, listen, when they were tanking, they didn't have an identity. It was clear that they were just putting guys out there and just essentially fielding a team. Now you're really starting to see them put the pieces together because Bellinelli, Ilyasova, Saric, Redick, these are... I mean, may not Sarge, but the rest of these guys are veterans. They're perimeter shooters. They know where they're going to fit in. And now that the team has a bit of an identity, you can see them stretch the floor. You can see defenses are going to have to be honest with them. Switching is not going to be as easy on them because you've got guys who have length, like Sarge and Ilyasova, who can just shoot over the defender. So, listen, I think this was a great move. Um, I think the Sixers need to pull out a couple of you know inspiring wins because they're going to need to pull out a win against a team like the Cavaliers. They're going to need to pull out wins against teams like the Heat, you know, the Hornets, the Pacers, the Bucks, all these other teams that are definitely in the trenches of this playoff hunt. You know, all of them, they're all so close to one another in the game situation that at any time they could just, you know, leapfrog a position and, and all of a sudden have the Sixers be in the eighth seed or the or the ninth seed for that matter. So they've got some games against the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they got a Brooklyn Nets game. They got two games against the Nets coming up. Um, they got a Grizzlies game. They got an Orlando Magic game. You know, there are opportunities for the Sixers to take advantage of this soft schedule, but they got to win some of these games against impressive teams. They've got to pull out a win against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got to pull out a win against the Miami Heat. They've got to pull out wins against the Cavs or um you know, well actually, I mean shit, I'm looking I'm looking right now at the rest of the schedule and my god, some actually, let's look at look at this Sixers schedule. They're playing the Cavs, then they play the Charlotte Hornets, Milwaukee Bucks, Charlotte Hornets, Miami Heat, Brooklyn Nets, Indiana Pacers, New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, Charlotte Hornets, Memphis Grizzlies, Orlando Magic, Minnesota Timberwolves, Denver Nuggets, New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks, Charlotte Hornets, Brooklyn Nets, Pistons, Cavs, Mavericks, Hawks, Bucks. That's actually a fairly easy schedule. You know, there's only a couple of teams in there that really are even above 500 or even in playoff contention now that I look at it, which all the more reason gives me the feeling like the Sixers are in prime, prime position to maybe even make some noise and get to like the five seed because you might see teams like the Pacers, and the Bucks, you know, really starting to miss some, lose some games and slide down in the playoff standings. And I mean, I just think that's a positive for the Sixers. Um, listen, I'm feeling bullish on them. I think that they're, they need, even if they lose this game to the Cavaliers tonight, I feel confident they'll be able to pull out a win against the Hornets. You know, playing the Bucks is another test because you actually have Embiid and Antetokounmpo go up against each other. I mean, but I just think the Bucks are just a terribly coached team right now. I don't think they know who they are. Jason Kidd was not doing them a very good job, and I don't really know if the interim is helping them out right now either. I think they have enough talent in Giannis to get to the playoffs, but how much noise they'll make in the playoffs is another discussion altogether. Um, that's all I got, though. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Just wanted to talk some Sixers. Um, I'm Sam Rosenberg. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Or you can always email me with any questions or to just talk some trash. SamSportsStation at gmail.com. I'll be back next week to talk some more Sixers and to get into this. Man, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. we got to get ready for this stuff, man, because the Sixers are going to be in the playoffs for the first time since, I think, 2012. 
I'm getting excited. I hope you're getting excited. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll be back next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye.